Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome back, members of the Nerd Herd, to another edition of the Real Film Nerds. And we have a good one for you this week. At least for me, it was a good one, because I'm a extremely passionate fan of the wars, like most people. Well, I hope most people. With me, as always, my co-host, my Lando Calrissian to my Han Solo, Shoeless Mike. Hey, how's it going, Matt? So, Mike, as you saw with our intro, we watched Solo, A Star Wars Story. What did you think? I liked it. I uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, the movie. Uh, I don't know why it's not doing so well in the box office. Yeah, that's a puzzler for me. I have a couple theories about that that we can get into uh, later on if you want, but uh, let's go ahead and start with the uh, IMDb info, the rundown of what the uh, solo Star Wars story is and who stars in it and the story and blah, blah, blah. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, let me just load it up real quick. Okay, so the movie that we watched was Solo, A Star Wars Story. And the description of the movie is, During an adventure in the criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his future co-pilot, Chewbacca, and encounters Lando Calrissian years before joining the Rebellion. Um, this movie is starring uh, Alden Inreich, uh, Woody Harrelson, Emily Clark, and Donald Glover. Amelia Clark. Oh, whoops. Amelia Clark. What did I say? Emily. It's okay. Just say dragon boobs. Yeah, dragon boobs from <laughs> Game of Thrones, if if anybody doesn't know. Now, who's the director, Michael? Well, <laughs> the credited director is Ron Howard. At least he was the director for, what, 70% of the movie? Uh, I think that's up for debate, because I feel like uh, all the movie was shot, and the other guys quit. So it's kind of... Uh, I, I, and then, but then they reshot a lot of stuff. I don't know. I guess there was a lot of disagreement on the way that the movie was, the vision, the overall vision of the movie. I was going to say, because Ron Howard's brother makes a cameo in this movie. So clearly Ron Howard shot something. I, I think he reshot. I don't know where I saw it or where I read it, but I think Ron Howard reshot something like 70 or 80% of the scenes in this movie. Oh, uh, I'm not sure about all that. I do know that there were quite a few reshoots, and I'm not sure how much and how all that works. And I also wonder, like, when you're making a movie as an actor, do they just, like, call you up and be like, hey, you got to come down here? You're like, but I already did all that work. Well, I think, what what movie was that where they were running into issues with that? It was one of the uh, MCU movies. It might have been Infinity War or maybe even Deadpool or something where... They had to reshoot a couple scenes for CGI or something, and they had to wait because the actors were already out in other projects, and so they had to wait for them to finish those projects before they could reshoot them. Um, I'm not sure which movie that was, but... I, I don't remember what it was, but it was something fairly recent, like in the past six months or so. Okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. So Matt, did you you like the movie? What what did you like about the movie? Uh, I liked it as a whole. I liked the majority of the movie. Uh, there was a lot of callbacks to the originals. There's a lot of things 
calling back to Han Solo. I liked that there was a lot of John Williams music was brought in from the originals that uh, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, you noticed almost right away. Like, for instance, when Solo at the beginning joins the, uh, I guess you would say Imperial Army, the ground troopers, he basically becomes, he joins up to be a pilot, and but you don't see him until he's in the uh, ground forces as a stormtrooper, believe it or not. Yeah, like like three years later. Yeah, and that's that's one of my beefs I have with the film. During that whole process when he's being recruited, if you look and you turn around to when he turns around, it has this ad going on for Join the Empire, and it's playing the Imperial March. I thought that was hilarious. That was pretty cool. So they had little tidbits like that throughout this whole movie where certain scenes like and different things that were going on, they harken back to the score of Empire Strikes Back and the original Star Wars, A New Hope and Return of the Jedi and things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, neat. I didn't I don't know if I noticed that, but uh I did enjoy the movie. I had a lot of, I had didn't have a lot of issues, but I had some issues with it, and I will get into those later. One thing I really, really enjoyed was Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. I thought he just killed it. But I am a big fan of Donald Glover right now. He's just knocking it out of the park in just about anything he touches. I mean, this is a guy that wakes up in the morning and just pisses gold. He's just... His TV (laughs) show, Atlanta, is just amazing. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. He's... He's a very good writer. He's a very good actor. He is just on fire right now. And Donald Glover is when I found out he took the role as Lando Calrissian. Honestly, you can't pick someone better for that role. You just can't, unless you can go back in time and transport a young Billy D. Billy D. Williams to this movie. You're not going to get someone better. I'm sorry, you're just not. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. Um, he's not in it as much as I thought he might be, but uh, the marketing, you know. Yeah, that that's one of my pet peeves, too. Again, I would have liked to have seen him do a little bit more action-y kind of stuff, I guess is a good way to put it. A little bit more yeah. uh, shooting and a little bit more flying. And he kind of seemed like he was he was there and he was utilized, but not to his full potential. Because yeah. in the Star Wars universe, I'm sure I'll get corrected if I'm wrong by Russ, if he's listening... But Lando is around the same level as Han Solo in the later films when it comes to um, being a gunfighter and things like that. He's not just a hustler. He also knows how to hold his own when it comes to fighting. And you see that that a little bit in this, but I would have liked to have seen more, personally. Matt, what do you think? Do you think they should call this movie, though, instead of Solo Star Wars Story, it should be Solo and Chewie? Yeah. I think so, because Chewbacca was a huge part of this film, even though he only appeared on screen a handful of times. When he was in this film, it was very, very, very impactful. The actor that is now playing Chewbacca, I'm spacing on his name. It's probably here in IMDb. Oh, there you go. Giannis Suatomo something I can't pronounce it. Anyways, he did a really, really, really good job as Chewbacca, he had his mannerisms down. His walk was a little off if you compared to Peter Mayhew's. But even though he was only in like two or three major scenes, 
he was such an integral part of those scenes, they wouldn't have worked without Chewbacca. So I think it definitely should have been more maybe like Solo meets Chewbacca or, you know, Chewbacca and Han Solo or Han and Chewie or something like that instead of just Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I, I felt like Chewie was in it a good amount of time because there's, there's a lot of like sub things here and there, like um, Chewie's walking around carrying heavy things and, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few different things that were going on. And then, Matt, what did you think about the part when, when Han starts speaking, um, uh, I guess, Wookiee's language? I don't know. Is that, do you know the name of it? I I don't know the name of I think it's Kashikian or something because Chewbacca is from Kashik, which is the name of the planet where all the Wookies are from. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, that, I thought that was pretty funny, but uh, well, what I really liked about it, and you don't see this much in the Star Wars universe, if at all. Most people that speak uh, English in the Star Wars universe speak English to someone that speaks a different language. They understand it. They speak back with their native language, and that person that only speaks English understands it. So in this movie, Han Solo actually spoke a different language, and Chewbacca understood it and replied. And they had a conversation, a little bit of a conversation in it, which they, if I'm probably wrong... But this might be the first time. It's definitely the first time that I remember some a character doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Like, even, for instance, in Return of the Jedi, when Luke Skywalker goes to Tatooine and goes in and confronts Jabba the Hutt, Luke's speaking English. Jabba responds in his native tongue. Luke understands it. Jabba understands what Luke is saying. They never speak in each other's languages, but they understand each other. So this one, you see them speak in Chewbacca's native tongue, which was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and Matt, as a little sidebar, I guess, what did you think about the humor in this movie? I thought it was a lot... I thought it was just enough, and it wasn't overdone like it was in The Last Jedi. Well, and it was toned down, because the two directors... My understanding from different videos and stories and things that I've read online is that's one of the reasons they replaced the uh, the two brother directors or whoever they were is because they're known for comedy and they were making this movie way too funny and way too slapsticky. And that's one of the reasons why they replaced them with someone that's safe, Ron Howard. Now, you can see, just as you pointed out, there's still a fair amount of comedy in here. Exactly. It's the right amount. It's not forced. It's not too over the top. Some of it kind of falls flat, but for the most part, it was pretty solid. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was as forced as uh, in The Last Jedi. I felt like they just kept like almost wanting to look at the camera and be like, this is where you laugh. All right. So, Mike, let's see. What else can we talk about solo? I mean, I can go talk on and on and on and on about it, but I'm trying not to make this an hour-long podcast. Hopefully we can stick to our normal half-hour format. So I'll ask you, so when I was watching the movie, I was mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, I guess the um, the L3 robot and Lando uh, relationship, it was almost like a little kind of robot love, and uh, it was like, uh, that, it, that was a little strange, I mean, but it, it, it was entertaining, but it was a little bit strange. Um, it almost reminded me of a, the recent best picture the shape of water uh 
and the weird relationship that happened in that movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not a huge fan of the uh, robot Lando love affair, but they did tell us before the movie came out that Lando is a pansexual. And you can see that definitely with his love interest with the robot, because clearly he loves her, especially towards the end when he goes out and chases her down and goes and rescues her after she's been shot up and rescues what's left of her, I guess you would say. And then also you can feel a little bit of a sexual tension between Han and Lando throughout the movie, just based on some of the things that are said, like L3, when they're in the cockpit. And L3's kicks um, Han Solo out of her seat. I think it was Han Solo that was in her seat. And Lando's flying the yeah, the yeah. Millennium Falcon in the main seat. And she looks over at Lando and tells him to stop flirting with him. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a little bit strange. But, I mean, I, I, I was wondering, I'm not sure what a pansexual is, man. Is, do, do you know? Did you look it up? No, I have no idea. I think it's the new thing where they're basically open to any form of sexual relationship, I believe is what it is. I don't know. I we I can Google it if you want, but I'd rather not have that on my history. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we'll 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 change subjects, Matt. Yeah, how how does how does it work? How do you have a uh, a robot and a human hooking up. I mean, does he give her special oil massages? And I mean, because I bet you those metal claws or hands or whatever she has is very cold. I think it's probably just emotional over anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably probably it. I was going to change subjects a little bit. And one of the things that I wish... Okay. That this- oh, no, I just looked it up. You're getting it now. Oh, no. A pansexual... Pansexual means not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex, gender, or gender identity. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that covers a lot of stuff. Pretty much. I mean, okay, go ahead. I Sorry. Mean, I mean, Matt, it's it's not a flaccid penis, so I'm not interested, but. <laughs> you know, you, they always have to do the Star Wars movies in the PG realm. Because they got to have the kids go, and you don't want the kids running out of there because some giant flaccid penis pops on screen. And I'm sure Landry was probably packing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, another thing I wanted to bring up about the movie that I wish they would have maybe talked about a little bit more was Han kind of signed up to, to join the Empire, and... He wanted to be a pilot, and they kind of skipped all of his pilot school and stuff, and I guess we're just supposed to assume that he learned how to fly a plane, but he said he had some, what, um, issues with his upper, uh, what what do you call that, insubordinate issues? Yeah, insubordination. He questioned authority, which the military does not want. Period. Right. But yes, that is one of my pet peeves or beefs or problems I have with this movie. Han Solo in books and comics and things before this in what is now not canon universe, Han Solo actually joins the Imperial Navy, which you saw, and he actually becomes an officer. He's in long enough that he works his way up to being an officer. Well, 
in this, you don't even get to see him doing any of his flight training, which really kind of bothered me. I wanted to see how, even if it would have been a short clip right before the war scene, that's three years later or whatever, I wanted to see Han Solo being this reckless pilot, being this really gifted pilot, being able to fly, outfly all of his, you know, um, fellow pilots, fellow students, whatever, fellow cadets, there we go, without even trying, and him just questioning every single form of, th- of authority, and then getting busted down to a stormtrooper and having to fight a ground battle. Now, don't get me wrong, that ground battle was probably one of the coolest scenes of the entire movie. It really looked like a modern day, well, not a modern day, it's Star Wars, it looked like a Star Wars battlefield. It looked like you were like it was battlefront. You know, you got to see the Empire and what they really do and what they're really capable of. And yes, all those troops run around on the ground, even though they're not wearing the white outfits. They're stormtroopers. Even Han Solo at that point, he is technically a stormtrooper. I really like that. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that, but I really think them leaving that whole. Navy training out was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I would have even taken like a montage. I mean, montage. But uh, they they didn't they didn't um do that. They just kind of jumped right into it and then from then on we kind of are force-fed that he's a good pilot and uh you just you'll wait and you'll see kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just it falls, I don't know, it falls flat. They they should have focused, because that's what Han Solo is known for, is being a smuggler and a really good pilot. Because, you know, in lore, he's always talking about how he flew the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, you know? And every single movie, since the very beginning, there's always some kind of reference to it if Han Solo is in the film. Um, I mean, it was kind of cool to see that part of him... Um doing that the Kessel run that's another one i had a real problem with though i i like that they included the Kessel run but the Kessel run just got really boring and there was just no threat you knew he was going to make it through you know and the space alien creature that got sucked into the mall was just dumb i would have rather just had because in the lore and the books and the things like that before this the Kessel Run is so dangerous because of all the stuff that's around, all the black holes, all the maws, all the shit that can suck you into it, all the storms. It's not dangerous because of creatures. Uh. They didn't need the creature. The creature was just, it was just cannon fodder, if you ask me. It was just dumb. Yeah, I mean, they did show that there was debris and it looked like it was hard to navigate. There's no visibility. There's, uh, and then there's the, um, what were the maws? The, the things yeah, that, the that it was suck you in, like, Black yeah, holes. it was like a giant black hole storm kind of thing, is what they called the Ma, yeah. I, gu- I guess I could see that, too. Um, I don't know, it just, for being such a pivotal cornerstone of Star Wars lore, it wasn't as awesome as I wanted it to be. Alright, Matt, now I'm gonna ask you, this of course is spoiler zone. Well, I got another one I want to talk about, too. I want to ask you about... Darth Maul. It was awesome, wasn't it? I thought it was My cool. I, I thought it was cool to see him back, and the, the, there's potential to continue to see him again. I know that's no. one of your favorite characters that was uh, short-lived. Well, 
the potential to see him again is going to be short-lived as well, unless they do another solo movie, which clearly at the end of this movie, they have it set up to do sequels to this. And I don't know if they're going to, especially how terrible this movie's doing in the box office. Uh, I was reading an article earlier today. It's um, We're recording on Monday on actual Memorial Day, if people's, people are curious. I know we publish on Wednesday, but the report as of today, they just broke... 100 million domestically. I think they're at like 105 or 110 or something, which for a normal movie is wonderful. For a normal movie, breaking 100 million is great. Problem is, this is a Star Wars movie that they've spent estimated 250 mil to make. So they're not even getting 50%, let alone breaking even. So in Hollywood, this movie is tanking bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I believe they said it was two hundred and fifty million to make, and I think there was like a hundred million dollars in promotions. Oh, so that's not even with the marketing. No. Wow. So yeah, they're really, really off. Wow, that's sad. Because I like this movie. I thought it was a good movie. I'm not going to say it was an incredible film, but it was a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's a fun Star Wars movie. I know a lot of people, especially hardcore Star Wars fans, are having issues with it, but I liked it. I thought it was good. I I did think it was fun. It was like a lot of these movies are so serious and so dark, and this one was just kind of refreshing. It was nice. It was more of a popcorn Star Wars movie than some of the more serious ones, but I thought that was okay. Well, and that's one of the problems the hardcore fans are having with it, is that it's not dark. It's not dingy, it's not gritty, it's not Han Solo to people. You know, because Han Solo is a very jaded, dark character. He's a a villain in his own right, he's a criminal, he's a smuggler, he's not a good guy. And that's one of the problems uh, hardcore Star Wars fans are having with this, is that this movie's kind of light and airy and uh, action-y, action-packed. It's for sure a great popcorn movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before I, since I got us off topic, I'll go back. Um, Darth Maul. The reference to Darth Maul in this movie comes from the Clone Wars cartoon. For those of you who have not watched it, it aired on Cartoon Network. I believe Netflix still has it. I'm not 100% sure. But all of this harkens to the Clone Wars cartoon. So, oh, and Rebels. And the Rebels cartoon. And what's really fun is this is the first Star Wars movie out of all of them, including Last Jedi Force Awakens, that truly melds the new canon cartoon Clone Wars, Rebels, and the next one that's coming out, it kind of melds it all together. Because if you look Darth Maul in this, he clearly was cut in half in episode one. Well, in Clone Wars, they explain it that he did not die. He saved himself by using the Force and ended up on this junk planet. And he ends up fashioning legs like a little spider kind of thing and living on this garbage planet. And he's lost his memory because of how traumatic it was and all this other shit. And his brother finds him. And that starts off the this run of Darth Maul in the Clone Wars, which was actually pretty good. I'm not a huge fan that they said he cut himself in half and lived. That's just really out there for me, but whatever. It's Darth Maul. I love Darth Maul. And so in Clone Wars, Darth Maul slowly works his way up and ends up taking over a lot of these crime syndicates. And he's kind of the guy in the background. Now, when he's cut in half, 
he loses his faith in the Sith teachings and everything. He's still a dark side user, but he drops basically being a Sith. So he is no longer known as Darth Maul. He is just Maul. Oh, okay. Now, in Rebels, spoiler alert, in Rebels, there's a couple episodes in, I don't remember which ones they are, where Darth Maul wants to get revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he hunts down Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. And this is old Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, uh, from the original Star Wars. Ah. He goes there, he lands on Tatooine, and he fights Darth Maul. And at this point, everyone thinks, oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's this old man. He's not really fighting much because you see in Star Wars, the original, he just kind of lays down his lightsaber and sacrifices himself so Luke can live. Obi-Wan Kenobi whoops Darth Maul's ass in like two or three moves. I mean, it's just over in the blink of an eye. And he just he just kills him like it's nothing. It was so cool. It was so impressive. So anyways, that's what I'm saying. His run, unless they do more movies like Solo, is going to be short-lived because he does get killed in Rebels, which takes place before uh, the original Star Wars A New Hope. Okay. All right. Okay. Does that answer all your questions? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, So, Matt, are you going to ask me how this ties into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Although it's a pretty easy one. I would like to, but I want to start with this. I still want to talk a little bit about how the actors did. One in particular really tickled my fancy. I thought Woody Harrelson did an amazing job as Beckett. I loved his character. Yeah, he was good. I loved how Woody Harrelson played him. I think Beckett was just... Perfect. He was not. Everyone said Woody Harrelson plays like this character that's like Han Solo's mentor and all this stuff. And he really wasn't. He was more of a dude that was working with Han Solo, taking advantage of Han Solo. And Han Solo learned a lot from working with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. They were just kind of associates, you know, not, I mean, just criminals working together for common criminal good. Right, they were just trying to get theirs, you know, get their money, get paid, Yeah, you know, whatever, move along. I thought Woody Harrelson did a just fantastic job. He, you know, most of the time when you see Woody Harrelson in a movie, he's playing Woody Harrelson. You know, he doesn't have much depth when it comes to characters. I mean, sometimes he does, you know, like Three Billboards. I mean, God, incredible. Oh, yeah, Three Billboards is really good. Yeah. Even in one of my favorite movies that he's ever done, Zombieland... You know, he's Woody Harrelson playing a Zombieland survivor, a zombie survivor. He's not this character. He's Woody Harrelson. You know, he just is. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I enjoyed Zombieland quite a bit as well. Oh, I loved it. I'm so stoked they finally greenlit the sequel. They're filming it now. Woo. That's going to be great. Finally. I got one more. Right. Amelia, Cl- Amelia Clark as Kira was fantastic. I know people are ripping that shit apart left and right because she was Han Solo's love interest. And a lot of people don't like love stories being in the Star Wars films. I think that was a very, very, very important part to this movie. Because she leaves him hanging at the end and it clearly hurts him. And that's what makes Han Solo jaded for the rest of the Star Wars universe when we meet him in 4, 5, and 6. He doesn't want a long-term relationship. He wants to hit it and quit it kind of thing. And I think it all starts here with Kira. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that's what they were going for there. Um, but it also helped drive his passion for wanting to become a pilot so he could go back to, um, uh, what was the planet they were from? I forget. Krelia. Krelia. And rescue her. But he didn't even get a chance to rescue her. She was already, you know, working with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dryden Voss. Paul Bettany? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Bettany's character, Dryden Voss. Yeah, yeah, of the Red Dawn. So she was already kind of, I don't know, like a servitude? Like she was like indentured servant, kind of, but also girlfriend? I don't know. Was- yeah, they didn't really explain that much. Um, I think it's something along those lines where when they grabbed her in the uh, spaceport and they took her away, I think they probably immediately turned her into. Uh, she was like a slave kind of at that point, but not really. She was still an orphan with Han Solo. I think when they grabbed her, they took her and, you know, put her in lock and chains and sold her off to the highest bidder kind of thing. And I think that's how Dryden Voss got her, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. This might be controversial, but I'm going to say it. I would be okay with seeing a Kira movie. I think it would be cool to see her. During that three-year time period where she went from being a runaway to this badass gangster. Oh, yeah. No, that would be neat, I think. Yeah, I would love to see all these things that she's talking about in the movie that she doesn't want to tell Han Solo. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be neat. And then we just need a Han Solo movie of his three years in in, uh, uh, the Empire. And we've got two more movies right there, and and then we need to find out some more stuff. So, I mean, we need about 100 movies. Well, but the problem is, is Kathleen Kennedy and her infinite wisdom of running the Star Wars franchise now, she's not going to give us what we want. She will not give the fans what they want. The fans want a couple things, and they've been screaming about it for a while. They want an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie starring Ewan McGregor. They want that. And they want a Boba Fett movie. We're getting the Boba Fett movie finally. They greenlit that one. I think they announced that the day Han Solo came out, that they greenlit the the Boba Fett movie. Ooh, is he going to say some words this time? Uh, He said some words. Well, the only one he didn't say words in was uh, uh, Return. I don't think he talked. Uh, Empire, he talked a little bit. <laughs> okay. Just giving you crap, man. Anyways, yeah, well, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Boba Fett, like everyone else. Okay, so I can keep going and going and going and going and going, but I will not. Mike, how does Solo, a Star Wars story, relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? This one was an easy one. Um, Paul uh, Bettany is Vision in the Avengers movies. And, oh, damn it. And he also plays Dryden Voss of the Red Dawn. That was a really, oh, really, really easy one. I got another one for you that I bet you didn't notice. Uh, okay, go. I, I, pro- I, I don't think I... 
Honestly, Matt, once I find the first connection, I, I stop looking. John Favreau, the director of the original Iron Man, voices Rio Durant in this movie. Which one's Rio Durant? Is that the smuggler? That, no, that is the little four-armed character that uh, dies when oh, he's flying the oh, ship. Oh, okay, yeah. The first, the pilot of uh, uh, Woody Harrelson's crew? Right. Yeah, with the four arms where he's pulling up his oh, pants. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, the little alien. Yeah, yeah that was John Favreau. Well, that's a cool another tie-in, because he was the director of Iron Man 1 and 2. Yes, sir. I love John Favreau. I think he's a great, great, fun actor, and a. I think he's a better director than he is an actor, though. Yeah, he's done some pretty cool stuff. Um, all kinds of varied stuff. The uh, Jungle Book. Uh, I even love Elf. Um, oh, Elf so. is amazing. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves Elf. How do you not? I mean, I bought that one on Blu-ray. And I'm not, I, you know how much I hate Christmas because of my former uh, life. And I still own a copy of Elf. Swingers, man. That's all I got to say. John Favreau and um, Vince Vaughn and Swingers. Oh, that movie is a great movie. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. So I can keep talking all day about Solo because I truly did enjoy this movie. I thought it was great. It's not on the level of Empire. But I definitely think it was better than The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. I, I think it is better than Last Jedi as well. Um, I had more fun with this. I, I really just thought this was a fun movie. I don't know. I don't know why everybody hated it so much. Maybe it was just Memorial Day weekend, but I feel like it's just not doing that well. Well, you got to remember the original Star Wars came out on May 25th, which was Memorial Day weekend as well. And a bunch of the uh, Star Wars films, the majority of them, came out all around May 25th in celebration of the original. And George Lucas always tried to do that on purpose. The first time we ever had one come out in December was J.J. Abrams' Force Awakens. And that thing knocked it out of the park in December. That's why The Last Jedi came out in December. That's why Rogue One came out in December, because of how well Force Awakens did. Yeah. Now, this came out in this weekend because... They were trying to get it back. They're all scheduled to come out right around May 25th. All of them are. It's just they always say production issues or whatever, blah, 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 and it gets pushed. Oh, okay. Like post-production stuff, probably? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. I don't know if it's... I mean, ever since J.J. Abrams, I believe his was post-production, but ever since his just did gangbusters over Christmas, it's kind of hard not to go back and do that again and again and again, because clearly it worked. I mean, Rogue One did really well as well. And Last Jedi did really well. Yeah, I thought, um, I actually thought from now on to the end of time, you weren't going to be able to release a movie in Christmas because Star Wars was coming out. Well, and that might be one of the issues why this one is doing so bad is because we just had a Star Wars movie. We just had one in December. You know, it's been, what, six months, five, six months since we had Last Jedi. So maybe people are starting to get sick of, here, we'll get into it a little bit here. This is why... In my theory, things aren't going so well for Solo. We just had Last Jedi. Solo comes out. Maybe people are starting to get burned out on it. Second thing, the fans really didn't want a Han Solo movie. They don't want to see Han Solo's backstory. They like the mystery of it. They want the backstory of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett and all these other characters. They don't want Han Solo's story. That's the second one. The third one, and now this is just coming from my personal perspective, the Last Jedi was garbage. 
and fans might have gotten burned, especially hardcore fans like me, over The Last Jedi. If they're hardcore enough, they'll still go see Solo like we did. Yeah. But I think a lot of those fans that got burned by The Last Jedi and they're like, oh, God, now they're going to do this to Han Solo too, one of the most beloved characters in the Star Wars universe? No, I will pass on this. So that's my. Th- those are my theories on why Solo is doing as bad as it is at the box office. Okay, I mean maybe maybe they're just trying to vote with their money and let 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 them let her. Well, I guess Kathleen Kennedy know. Yeah, I think especially the fans that know who Kathleen Kennedy Kennedy is. I think that's exactly it. They're trying to make a statement. They're trying to say someone get rid of her or put her in line. Tell her the movies that we want. Yeah. And they're doing it with their wallets. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. I don't know why people didn't like it as much, but maybe that 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 is a, that that could that could be a valid point. It's uh it's hard for me to think that there would be enough people that could rally together everyone to to do that. But uh, cuz not everyone's the hardcore Star Wars fan. But Right. But uh, you know, maybe maybe the 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 people fall. I mean, the reviewers ripped on it too. So I I will not agree with the fucking reviewers. I'm sorry. They said the Last Jedi was the best damn Star Wars movie ever made, and they're full of trash. That movie was garbage. The writing was terrible. Uh, I'll, I don't want to go off on it because I can go off on it up for an hour on its own. But I did not like the Last Jedi, and they gave it the highest ranking out of just about every single other Star Wars film. And this one, I enjoyed leaps and bounds more than The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. So, I I, I... I don't know. Matt? One thing that did bother me, though... I mean, I can keep going on stuff that bothers me, but this is one that I really want to bring up. There's a lot of things that surround Han Solo. The Millennium Falcon, his iconic DL-44 blaster... Um, his last name, I think this movie buttoned all that up a little too perfect. Like, I don't like how Han Solo got his last name. The recruiter said, oh, Han Solo. So you're Solo. Okay, Han Solo. Yeah. That was fucking dumb. I'm sorry. That was fucking dumb. (laughs) It was. It was really bad. The DL-44 blaster. Like, they, you know, Woody Harrelson sits there and puts it together and throws it to him. You know, okay, they button that one up. That's where he got that. Okay, cool. And so there's just stuff like that that's just you keep seeing over and over and over in this movie. Like, oh, here's, you know, Han Solo meeting Chewbacca, which we had to have. We had to have. That was a very important part. But did we really need to find out where he got his last name? No. Did we really need to see where he got his DL-44 blaster? No. We could have gone without stuff like that. I think they made it almost too clean. Like, maybe they were doing too much fan service i guess is a good way to put it they really just were like okay here's this and this is this and this is this and this is this and look 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 this is star wars look it's han solo look ah yeah yeah you're right they they did they did button up everything pretty tightly pretty fast i don't have a problem with the fan service i'm a giant fan i like the fan service it's great I, i know that's bad but i like it it's just they did way too much of it Way too much. Yeah. And they probably could have left us hanging on the Millennium Falcon. Like, yeah, he knows who has it, but he's not. He, he doesn't. Yeah. You know. But then that would have turned it into, for definitely, a, a sequel. You know, because that's the lore. You know, he won it from Han Solo in a card game. 
Or they could have just had him outright win it in the first one. Whatever, it's no big deal. He won it. He got it. All right. So, so Matt, with all that, how many reels do you give Solo, a Star Wars story? Like I said earlier, I really did enjoy this movie. I thought it was great. It's not my favorite Star Wars movie, that's for sure. It's up there, though, especially in the modern Star Wars films. I enjoyed it. It's, you know, you put it right. It's a popcorn film. It was entertaining. Uh, I think it'll be really sad if they make a sequel. I think the sequel will be really, really bad. But overall, I enjoyed this movie. I know I might get slammed for it. I am not a critic. I am a Star Wars nerd. And I loved it. So I give it a four out of five reels. Wow, man. So, so Matt, I guess on, on your rating, I am going to give my rating. And and my rating is, is going to be a little less. Um, of course, because you're a hypocrite and you're not a true Star Wars fan. I think I'm going to give it three reels out of five because I like this movie and I want everybody to go see it. But, um, you know, it's nothing super special. You could see this movie not knowing anything about Star Wars and love it, though. Yes, it is a very good standalone film, that's for sure. You know, for not having Jedi or Sith in it, they did a pretty damn good job. Not as good as Rogue One. Uh, I know people hated Rogue One, but I loved Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was fantastic. Yeah, Rogue One was good. You got anything else you want to talk about on it, Mike? No, I, I, I think... That we've covered uh, even more than I thought we would cover. So, um, well, dude, you're talking to me, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of the ins and outs. I haven't read the majority of the Han Solo books in the uh, pre-canon wars. I, what they call expanded universe. Now, I haven't read hardly any. I've read a few comics and things here and there, but I know of a lot of that stuff. So that's one, you know, one thing that makes me excited for this film that they did hit on some of that not a lot though so okay well with that do we want to say you know uh thanks for listening yeah thanks for listening we will uh yell at you next time all right thank you for listening to the real film nerds now don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at real film nerds now go out and catch a movie